man, I need to figure out how to make this chair more comfortable because this, my bag with my, oh, maybe it's this shampoo. Really? It's uncomfortable? Yeah. You have a pillow, I don't. You uh, want to do this podcast standing? You know, that could be interesting. Dude, let me show you something. Yeah? Ugh. A fluid stance. What's it do? This is for my standing desk. Yeah. And you, I don't know, you probably can't see the bottom, but it's for when you're, if you're standing at a standing desk, if you're, if you're standing on one, one leg all the time, it's like unbalanced, but this forces you to balance. That way you're distributing the weight evenly all the time. And you could like do cool tricks and stuff. <laughs> and I'm really bad at it. You're like the Z boys. Yeah. I'm like, let's see if I can do a 360. I don't want to, I don't want this to go down in history and how Stan broke his neck. Hey everybody, welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. This is the last episode of it sure is. the Art School Project series. This is number eight or so. We're deep into it. Oh, man. We're at we the end. A lot. This is the last stuff we've got to say on the subject for here. Yeah. We've already covered pros and cons of going to school. We've covered all the things that you'd need to replicate that you would get from school if you don't go. All the things we could think of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And now we're going to assume you're going to school. Mm hmm And how can you make the best of this thing? That's what it's going to be about. How do you make the best of art school? You're going to go. Yeah, your daddy said, no, bro, you're going. You're going to school. And you're okay. like, okay, dad, but I need to watch this Draftsman podcast first so I know how to do it right. Yeah, Marshall and Stan said, <laughs> you can ask me how I'm doing? Oh, yeah, shit, sorry. I was thinking about Scott Flanders' sculpture. Oh, yeah, here. Scott Flanders sculpted that. Yeah, you know, he, I think he, he wanted to name that little kid Marshall. Did he really? Well, yeah. that's nice because that's a cool looking evil beast that just brings out the part of me that will grab a hatchet and hack my way through whatever it is that's in my way. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about the bee. The little kid. There's a little oh, kid the little kid. Little well, okay, little that's boy. all right. I'm the sweet, lovable little brother, the, yeah. the older is, is warrior that brother. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to, I was like, what's his name? He's like, I think name Marshall. Well, my older brother was and is a warrior type, so I'm happy to be the one who gets protected by the evil beast who carries around the hatchet, etc. Yeah. Do you remember why Scott Flanders wanted to name him Marshall? No. It's because of the connection with Marshall and Bernie Wrightson. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. so that the creature's Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Or it's just the, the embodiment of, of Bernie's creation. Because he told a story about being inspired by seeing you introduce Bernie Wrightson in like a panel. Did he? Was he? Well, that was a long time ago. So Scott was there? Yeah. How about that? That's great to hear. You make an impact on people even when you don't know it. Isn't that a great feeling? Wow, Marshall. Sure is great to be here armchair philosophizing with you. <laughs> Thank you. Waffleizing. Do we have any uh, credentials? For doing do, this? Do <laughs> I have a master's in going to art school. Really? Do you really need credentials, Marshall? Do you, do you need a degree to, to be able to teach people about going to art school? The answer is no, but we're going to take the other tech. You went to art school, right? I did. I went to art school. But not, not one with a degree. Uh, it, was, it was a non-degreed yeah. art school. It was an atelier. An atelier. Okay. It's the type that teaches you skills. 10 or 11 years. And it was a good experience. It was a wonderful experience. Okay. That's great. It provided me with pretty much 
almost all of the things that we've been talking about that art schools provide you. With I did not go to an art episodes. school. I went to a community college that had an art department and uh, I did not get everything I needed. But I got mm. some very valuable things there. And what I didn't get, that school invited me back when I was 26. And I've been teaching there ever since, even without a degree, but teaching students at that school and also teaching things that I didn't get in the school, but that I'm contributing now with other teachers. So the students do get that there. Mm-hmm. And I've taught well over 3,000 classes. Oh, jeez. I thought you were about to say 3,000 years. 3,000. <laughs> I was like, are you making that joke? You don't I don't understand. even have to make it. I'm old. And then you said classes. Off. Three, I taught over 3,000 class sessions, and I think it's closer to 4,000 in university, in art school, in junior college, and also in all sorts of other places. 3,000 uh, classes. That, so I spent a lot of time. I spent most of my adult life in college classrooms as a teacher for the enjoyment of it. I never taught a class that I wasn't interested in and just loved the subject. And it's still that way. I just, I say no to classes that I don't want to teach. And I say yes, as much as I can to the classes I do want to teach. And I love the classroom and I love being in school and I am envious of students. One of my life... You're envious of students who take your class. I'm envious of students who take any teacher that serves them. And here's okay. why. Because one of my life goals, one of my goals is to be financially independent enough to teach a class and then do the assignments that week. Because I think that the assignments I give students and the assignments that some of the other teachers that I'm around give students are some of the best creativity enhancing assignments for those who want to be creative. It's like, I would love to do this assignment. I think I would do my best work. So that, yeah, I, I being in the role of student is a great feeling. It makes me feel like, oh, I'm going to do great work. Yeah. So that's what I hope we're going to appeal to for people who are going to be in the three, role of student in an art school. Three to 4,000 classes. Mm-hmm. Let's compare yardsticks here. Okay. Just to <laughs> Why? Okay. I'm, just, I'm curious actually now how many I have taught. Mm-hmm. So, okay, five years. No, okay. Six, Four seven, semesters seven. Per, per year. About th- I taught on average, I think, of three classes per semester. So oh, three you're talking about at the 12. atelier, yeah. Three times four is 12 times 10 sessions per class. It's mm-hmm. 120. Mm-hmm. And I did it for about six years. 120 times six is... 720? Yeah. Well. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. 720. Were you a good teacher? It's the best. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you served your students? I got better okay. as time went. Okay. When I started, no, absolutely not. I started when I started teaching when I was like 20. Wow. Or 21 or something. It was ridiculous. I was not ready. That's, <laughs> I was horrible. That's something we neglected to include in the community thing about art school as project is one of the best things you can do is divvy up responsibilities in your community that I'm going to learn this subject thoroughly and I'm going to be responsible to give you a 20 minute synopsis or an hour synopsis or a little class on it. And then somebody else does that. That's a great way not only to learn from your peers because they give you the boiled down version but also to understand the thing that you are adopting as your subject. I will teach this because you must understand it enough to boil it down and make it accessible to your students. Yeah. I, I often say that I learned more or I got better more in the five or six years I was teaching at Watts than in the five to six years that I was only a student. Yes. I got, my improvement was really 
fast. <laughs> great. It's great That's to teach each other and be each other's students. Yeah. But we've moved beyond that. Yeah. Now we say you are going to go off. Yeah, you're going to, to school. To the school. Yeah, you're, you're going, going to, to school. school, bro. Yeah. You may think you're going to get it here at home uh, among your loving family, but no, you're going to go out there into the real world and yeah. go to school. I'm so. your dad, and I'm going to tell you, you're getting that degree. Yeah. Okay. I'm paying for it. You're going. Well, granted. So now, now you, little <laughs> don't Marshall. Don't your lunchbox and thermos. <laughs> yeah, little Marshall. Uh, what advice would you give? We're going to give the advice that we can. Well, obviously, other people are going to give advice in the comments, and we there are many voices on this. Yeah. We're going to hope to point you to some of those voices on this. What's yeah. the first thing you would give advice to a student who says, I'm going to go to an art school? Well, the, the first thing is choose a good one. Okay, that's like, a good place to start. Choose well. Yeah, choose well. There is no point of going to a bad school. It's a waste of time, a waste of money. You're just going to regret it. So, How does one choose well? Oh, there's so many things. The first thing you do, you start just researching, whether it's online or you actually go mm -hmm. to the schools, take tours, talk to students. Now, that's ask a them few about their experience. Let's There's a lot with, of things. We let's start with the researching online yeah. thing. Tell us, well, I can think of some good and bad of researching online. Okay. Is that when you are researching online, one of the main things you will get is the school's advertisements, which means that there is a vested right. interest that we are pitching that we want you to spend your money here. Yeah, and we've got the show. best marketing team. Yes, that's right. The best marketing team can bring you in. Oh, there's stories about that with the school that just went out of business a year ago that had a bitter trail of embittered students. Why did you just say the name? Because. They're out of business. They're out of business. But I, I knew a number of students. I knew a lot of students who taught in that. And that school did hire me a bunch of times to come in as a visiting lecturer. And there were good people in those schools, good students yeah. and good teachers and administrators. But the school itself had this rapacious uh, reputation. And they made move after move after move that made more money for them and more... Is it the one that had a reputation of being more of a real estate company than a school? No, that's another one. That's a different one. Yeah. Okay. But now here's the point though. People flocked to that school because they had good marketing teams. Yeah. And there's another thing is that some schools win awards and everybody says this school is great and they have that reputation. And then when the school turns to crap from within... Mm. They still got that reputation and okay. the latest knowledge is not the knowledge that hits the mainstream Okay, so search go, do, when you do your research, go beyond the website of the school. Absolutely. <laughs> Where to then? You got to be creative. Go to Instagram and click on whoever's at the school mm -hmm. and they have the geolocation thing turned on. Mm -hmm. They're posting from that school. Yeah. Click on it. Look at the posts. Message them. Mm -hmm. They are students of the school. Ringling, yeah. let's say. Message them like, how do you like the school? Mm -hmm. And just start talking to the students. Yeah. Ask them questions. Hey, should I go? I'm thinking about taking this, this program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look up the teachers. Ask the teachers if they should go. Yes. Email them. Message them. But I'm seeing something you're not seeing. Well, you're a lot wiser than me. Well... <laughs> when, when a person has criticisms of the school and they put them in writing, okay, that can be a problem for the person who put it in writing. 
especially if they are teaching at the school. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It can be used as leverage against them. Uh, and, and so one, of, one thing you definitely want to do is talk with students who have recently graduated, talk with students who are there but not necessarily in their first year, or actually any of the students. You want to talk with the clients to see whether they are happy with the supplier and yeah. consider that you may be asking somebody something that they cannot put themselves at risk. Yeah, then to talk tell to the students. Thoughts. Not don't yeah. talk. I mean, you can still try to ask the instructors, but talk to the students. Go on LinkedIn and search for who graduated from the school. Yes, and message them. And if be you creative. sense rumors, if you sense gossipy rumors, chase those because those yeah. are going to be the ones that can keep you from investing. I can tell you uh, that I've had experiences where I was going to invest. So not not in school, but in a place. And uh, was at the point of doing it, and somebody said, "Why?" And they explained to me why you shouldn't, and it pivoted my life around in the other direction because everybody was saying, "No, it's good. No, it's good. No, it's good." And mm. they weren't telling me the truth. And so I had to have somebody who said, "I'm going to sit down and give you a come to Jesus talk about the truth of this." investment that you're going to make and it, it spared me what would have been major major life pain so, so dig deep yes dig deep because this is a big deal yeah. you're going to invest four years of your life and you want to hear what the people who really know the inside have to yeah. say and do research on all the teachers if you're let's say going to an art school and you're going to take specifically like environmental design or something you got a very specific path look at the teachers that you know you're going to have because they're going to teach most of the classes you're going to take mm -hmm. and see if they are good teachers mm -hmm. see if they're good artists mm -hmm. do you want to train with these people and compare yeah. it to another school well, who are their teachers and pick the best one that, I mean, that's just one more factor is pick the best teachers that that is a big deal because your yeah. teachers your teachers have so much to do with it let me mention this. The people who are going to be closest to it are the recent graduates or the recent people who have left it because the faculty can change, part-time faculty right. turn over constantly, which also when part-time faculty turn over constantly, that is something to look at. Oh, okay. Why? Do they leave? Do they get forced out? Are they seen as competition? What's behind that? But it's the people who have been there recently who can tell you the most. If you talk to someone that went there 10 years ago, it, it doesn't matter. It, yeah. it could be a completely different school today. Yeah. You can ask, here's a good question for former students or yeah. for graduates. Would you do it again? Knowing what you know, would you have gone through this again? Mm -hmm. Because most people are going to say some nice things and maybe have some criticism. So the, the criticism is if you did it again, you having recently come out of this school, what would you do differently? And you may get more from them then you're going to get from me and Stan because they're fresh with it. The emotions are still connected with it. Here's what I would do differently. You're going to get it from them. Right. What about touring? Did you tour schools before? Did you? Yeah. Well, I only toured one and I, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what sold you on it? The art on the walls. Mm -hmm. was a, It was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It was, I was like touring a museum. Yeah. And it was mostly student work. Yeah. There's some teacher work, but they mm -hmm. put the student work on the walls as well. Yeah. It was small and intimate. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that like, okay, these rooms look like they're serious. They're, they're used. Mm -hmm. People do work here. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Jeff. I mean, Jeff gave us, me and my mom went and 
Jeff Watts gave us a tour and mm-hmm. he's good at talking. <laughs> he convinced me. He's <laughs> <laughs> a good salesman. Yeah. But as far as touring any school, go there when class is in session mm-hmm. and actually sit in on a class. I know when I was in class there, I saw some people sitting in occasionally. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea because you get to actually experience it without your initial investment. I don't know if colleges allow that sort of thing. Uh, uh, the, to to one degree or another, yes, they they do. Okay. they do a little. Okay. It depends on the college. Yeah, or just go to the school and just walk around. Go there when don't go during the summer when there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Go during a semester during the time when students are walking around and look at the environment, look at the culture there, and see if you fit in. Yeah. Is this a place I want to be? Yeah, and this takes some discernment. Because you're picking up emotional temperature in a way. Mm-hmm. Tours are always designed to show the best. Right. And if you sense that everybody's on their best behavior because there's a tour going on and they know that they better be on their best behavior, that's not a good sign. Yeah, just go. A good sign is to see whether you hear laughter. If mm. there is laughter regularly around the campus and it's happening when they don't even know you're there, that's a good sign typically. Yeah. In the end, ask yourself, what am I getting? for the money and -hmm. can I get it better somewhere else Mm -hmm. or cheaper somewhere else or cheaper or or ideally cheaper or better (laughs) but if you can't say I can't get it cheaper and I can't get it better this is the place and I feel like the the temperature that I'm taking of this place ethically emotionally is a place that I feel like I'd like to go into here that's something to at least look at and discuss with people who could uh, protect you in case it's a big mistake. When you say, what do I get for the money? How would you answer that question? Well, I know a guy who got a degree, a master's degree from a very famous school in Southern California, not in art, but in business administration, who's told me he learned practically nothing but it didn't make any difference. He got C's, it didn't make any difference. It was impossible to get into that school, but a guy owed him a business favor and got him into the school. He got his MBA from that famous school and it opened up doors for him. So what he wanted was that badge and it made a difference in his business. What was this, was it an art school? No, 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 it wasn't an art school. Oh, okay, that was the industry. Uh, business, uh, master's in business administration, oh, okay. MBA. He that 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 degree was very valuable because that's a badge that people pay attention to because okay. of that school that it's from. Mm. Okay, that's an example of what that guy got. He got that degree, okay, and and learned practically nothing, but he went through the ropes and got it. Yeah. Now with an art school, that would be the worst thing you could do, because even if you did get that degree from that famous art school and you've got that badge. That means at least people will look at you, but once they look, they don't care about where you got your degree. They care about whether your work is up to snuff. Therefore, the most important thing to get out of this school is skill and professional All the other stuff we've talked about. That's right. All that stuff. Community mentorship, structure. Yes. What was the other one? Connections into the profession. Because some of these big Mm -hmm. schools have teachers that hire you because they have watched how you do your work and they say, you would be worth it to bring into the arena, the company, the network of people that I work with. So yes, it it is not the badge. It is the skills and the portfolio and the connection. 
Yeah, so go into art school not trying to get the degree. Instead, get try to get the skills and you get the degree anyway. Like you like or you might not depending on the type of school you go to. If it's the mm-hmm. Florence Academy of Art, you're not getting a degree, but you're getting the skills. So don't chase the degree because it's just a byproduct of going to a school. We are checking motives here. Right. We're trying to say what are you really going there for? Mm-hmm. And here is a way you can see whether your motive is off. And I have seen this more times than I can count. And it is one of my biggest criticisms of schools in the in, uh, students in expensive art schools. They take 18 units. They're taking so many units that you would Six. be amazed at how exhausted they get and how little they retain yeah. and how much they sleep in class and all of the other things. And they think this is a good thing because it's a notch on the belt, notch on the yeah. belt, notch on the belt. I got them all done. So they're just trying to get through it as quickly as possible to get the degree. And at, but then they don't get anything from any class because they're not yeah. actually doing the work. And at $3,000 a class, <laughs> you're going to go to a class where... I've had more than one student, but one specifically said, yeah, that was a good class. You know, I, I'd like to take that again. I was so exhausted all the time. I never really uh, got, got anything. And he didn't. He didn't get anything out of it because he came into class and would drool on his table while I was giving the most valuable stuff I have to offer. And now I'm, I am not kidding. More than half of some of these groups of students are doing that. There are other people that are chasing a degree. That's why they're taking so many classes. At Watts, there was no degree and there were some people that were taking a ridiculous amount, 10 to 12 classes a week. And it may work for them, right? It may, but the reason they were doing that wasn't a degree. The reason was because they had a limited amount of time in the United States. Oh, okay. They, maybe, yeah, they yeah. got a visa, they came here, they have one or two semesters and they're just trying to like absorb as much as possible. And that was another one. Some of them, yeah, they went full time even though they had four or five years there. But I noticed that like some people were burning out when they were doing that. I never took more than four classes. Four was the minimum for for like a, could be considered like a full timer there. Yeah. I did four every time. Yeah. Because I wanted to focus on my own projects. Now, what we're saying in my, in my estimation won't make any difference. Because I see students that, no, yeah, but I got it because I'll save money. I'll save $20,000 if I, if I can get my degree done by this time. But I'm going to tell how I did. I made mistakes in my art education and there were deficiencies, but there is one thing I do not regret. It was a junior college, 12 units was full time. Many students were taking 14, 15, 16 units. I took 10 units per semester and it was by accident. One of the students, one of the classes I couldn't get. So it turned about 10 units and these 10 units I got so into the subjects. I didn't like high school, but as soon as I got into college and I had teachers who liked comic books and told us to go see the 1939 Pinocchio at the movie theater and we went to see it thinking, whoa, I didn't know this was going to be so good. It was just a whole new world to me. And in those 10 units per semester, I was getting all sorts of good out of these classes. And interestingly, I remember almost every book that was required in the general ed classes. And I not only remember them, I remember the main points of the books because I took my time to read them. Mm -hmm. So I was not in a hurry. One semester I took 12 units because they said, oh, you take 12 units, you get benefits. Okay, then I'll do it. And then I dropped that extra class because it was better to take it at a savoring pace. Yeah. I recommend that you take one, two, three classes and devote. I try to design my classes 
so that if you only took my class, but you spent 30 to 40 hours a week doing homework, there would be enough content and enough with these assignments to where you'd even, it would be better than if you took three or four classes. Point is, take charge of whether you're going to be able to get the homework done and absorb the content rather than have it just flow right over you because you're burned out. Yeah. We're checking motives here again. Is it this that I got that many units done or is it that I got these skills and nobody can take these away from me? That's kind of like binge watching videos, but in school, you're just binge classing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or speed reading. Do you know about that? Do some people actually get good at it? Speed reading has its advantages. Okay. There was the Evelyn Wood <laughs> so speed. That's a bad analogy. Well, the, the, the Evelyn Wood speed reading course was one of the most popular and you could read a book in an hour and there was all this and it literally went ballistic. But then somebody pointed out that speed reading is like speed eating. Why not just enjoy the book and take well, you it can in choose which you can choose what you're doing. Yeah. Right. You don't have to always speed eat if you know how to speed eat. But if you're late for a class, you have two minutes to eat. What is the test for whether you took too many units? If you have time to not rush to do everything required of you, plus everything you are also motivated to do on top of that. And I would say that if it was a, a course of intellectual discipline content history course, talk to me about what you learned. Give what? me give me 20 minutes of uh, what you learned this semester or it's 10 history? minutes or five minutes. And some students can do that. Some students oh, I thought you were asking no, me. No, no, that, that would be a test that I... I, I don't like history. I understand the main things that I learned this semester and I can articulate them and give you the big points, but I can also elaborate. That means that they, they retain the knowledge. Yeah. If it's a skill building class... What are the skills you got out of it? Yeah. I learned to turn form around in imagination. I learned to invent light from several different angles on the same form. Then we know that you 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 did it. It's not that I got a good grade. Mm -hmm. Grades are play money. They are the kind of thing that your parents will acknowledge and your family will acknowledge and they'll trade you stuff for it. But when you go out into the real world, the real world does not exchange goods for your play money. Nobody is going to hire you because you took a particular class or got an A in it. If the grades are play money, yeah. we're pretending that I, the teacher, the person you are paying real money to, oh, okay. I'm going to pretend like this grade is money uh -huh. and see whether you deserve it. You'll say, I got really valuable play money and you <laughs> learned to earn money by being responsible and doing all the things that the class requires. Now, if you've rehearsed that with play money, then you go out to the clients and you treat them the same way and then you get the real money. Okay. There's also the motive of while you're in class, learn from your teachers. This is a, a mistake I made. I had a big ego at one point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> had? Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, you know, you hear you hear other people talk making excuses for their bad work with, you know, it's my style. Mhm. Mm you know, that sort of thing. Did you do that? No, not the I didn't make the style excuse. Okay. I told this story in a, one of the previous episodes and I think it was we cut that episode. Okay. So it was a life drawing class 
and typically in just in a life drawing class there's a demo and then all the students just draw and then the teacher walks around and just helps people as they need help and it was towards the end of class i haven't gotten help yet i'm like really into my drawing i'm like man i'm really rocking this thing this is a good one today and uh eric's like hey man you, you need some help and i'm like well do i need it <laughs> Is there anything you can help me with? I actually said that. Yeah. Is there anything you you see wrong with it? Yeah. <laughs> and this is pretty early on too, yeah. right? Like I'm I'm like maybe like 18. I, the whole class has started laughing because of how stupid I am. Hmm. <laughs> this guy knows it all. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was 18 year old. What did he say? Yeah. I I don't. I honestly don't remember if he actually sat down and helped me and was like, yeah. Or if he was just like, oh, I guess not. Because when everyone started laughing, I think I, I realized like, oh, shit. And I was just so embarrassed. I, I don't think I, I don't remember what happened. You just blocked out. Yeah, it would yeah, turn into gone. a fog, right? Yeah. And if he helped me, I probably wasn't paying attention. Hmm. So go in there trying to learn. Don't just try to like make good art while Shine, you're while, yeah. When you're in class, your motive is to learn. It's not to produce good art. You might end up with good art yeah. because you're learning principles. And some classes, product-oriented classes may be aimed at let's make good art this semester. Those right. tend to happen later. Do you still get a critique? Yeah. So, listen to the critique. Make good art, but then listen to that critique. Don't think like, yeah, I did it. I made good art. Yeah. So, the, the point here is be a good student. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, the great courses had a course called yeah. How to Be a Superstar Student. And wow. I, I thought, well, you know, that's a good title for a course. And I remember reading the titles or the uh, the lectures, and they all seemed like they really came from an understanding that when you are a student, you're in a particular position of, I want to maximize this investment. Right. Now, one of the problems that happens with college students is that they've come out of high school and high school has got a vibe about it that you have to be there. Yeah. And the teachers are the enemy. And I have had students that my entire energy was to try to help them succeed. And I could never get through the impenetrable wall of he's a teacher. He's the enemy. So I know I'm I'm your I'm your supplier. You're the client. You're paying me money. I want to help you. No, you are in the position of grading me. Therefore, you are the enemy. You can never get through to them because they bring in that energy that makes it impossible for the dance to be enjoyable. But bad students can become good students, and I have seen some bad students become good students. Yeah. And I also want to talk about a particular phenomenon of bad students becoming good students. I know of a student who went to an expensive school and wasted it got addicted to drugs, failed all the classes, wasted a lot of money, but then came back a decade and a half later and uh, became a champion student. I know a man who had a profession, a successful profession, put it on hold so he could come back to school. And I had him in class and he was, he was in one of the worst groups I've ever had. And he was the student who cared about everything because he was paying for this with his own money, putting his career on hold and in his 30s and recognizes that unlike when we're 18 to 22 and we got the whole world ahead of us, he's, yeah. he's, it's important to him. And he was a great student. So now, now the point is there is a certain vibe that some middle-aged students bring in 
which is, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to learn what I want to learn. And they care about it so much that you know everything you put out there is invested in them. Yeah, life can definitely make people really good students. I had a student who was like 70 something taking classes at Watts and he improved faster mm -hmm. than the teenagers. Not because his brain functioned better, it didn't, right? I mean, <laughs> well, tell us, Marshall. Me? Yeah. Oh, I feel like my brain is better than it's ever you been. You learn quicker now than when you were I, I, a baby? In some ways, I learn quicker now. Yeah, I read no, come better. come on. Well, okay, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, yeah. You've, you've got patterns that it's hard to get out of as you get older. As you get older, you just, you learn slower mm -hmm. because of your, your brain gets worse at new pathways. Robert Sapolsky has a lecture on why some people don't like sushi. And <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's along those lines. That yeah. The brain does change that if you have not tried new experiences, you're unlikely to try them after a certain age. Okay. And the same thing goes with music. But one of the things though that you can get early in your education is to open your mind up to always see things from other angles, look for macro patterns. And then by the time you get in your 50s, your ability to see macro patterns can be really, really good. I think that- Yes. That, yeah. You, you can learn how to learn. Yes. But right. your natural ability to learn gets worse greatly as you age. It's so much easier to learn a language when you're a baby yeah, than right. when you're old. I got you. But there's also the people who are older that didn't get that improvement in learning abilities because there were a lot of students at the Watts who were retired, taking classes, and were really bad students. Yeah. I lost three students even the last week for the semester that's about to start. I lost three students because I sent them the syllabus and they were middle-aged students and they just could not handle the 1920 by 1080 JPEG thing. It's just too much for them. The, 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 oh, the, they the could, technical the tech requirements of how you handle it. And it's like, well, you know. How I, old were they? Uh, they're middle-aged or, or older. One of them was over 50. Uh, and it was uh, it was one of those things that, no, that's, that's a non-negotiable. But yeah, I've yeah. had a number of students who were older that you couldn't teach them anything. They just weren't open. There is a secret for how to take it seriously. There's a secret to how to do well in a class other than limit your units and other than to be a middle-aged student. I think that if you take, look, I'm young, but I'm going to be a middle-aged student. I'm going to see what is it the middle-aged students bring into this that I can get to get ahead of this game and get past the, uh, the adolescent them, me against them uh, mentality. Mm -hmm. And here's what it is. It's what my peers and I did as students. We were good students. You just love the subject. You love the privilege of being there. You get out of class. You can't wait to discuss it. You may disagree with your teacher. You know, a good student. Paul Kane was a really good teacher in that sociology of education class that I had to take. And he said, the good students will learn no matter how bad a teacher you are. And I remember thinking that through. I thought, I've had okay. some pretty bad teachers, but that didn't mean that when they gave me the topic, I thought, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And yeah. then discuss it with other people and end up being my own teacher. Sounds like an excuse for well, being a bad teacher. His point was, you are responsible to teach well, but remember, when a student succeeds, you didn't make the success happen. Don Richardson okay. was a great teacher. One of the he is the best teacher I ever personally knew and interacted with. He was a, a longtime uh, Emmy Award and Peabody Award winning television director. And I studied with him for four years. And he said, 
a teacher's job is to simplify the struggle to find what works. How come everybody you study from has a deep voice? <laughs> everybody that you quote. <laughs> that was how he this sounded. So wise. And it was exactly how he sounded. I went. On, I really want you to be like, and to quote oh, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I'm Stan Prokopenko. God damn it. <laughs> I wrote that down and I've, I meditated on it for years. It's still, you cannot make it so that the student doesn't struggle to find what works. But you can <laughs> simplify the struggle so that they struggle with the right things. That's a great attitude, I think. And it's if that's my job and I don't even do it, they're still going to get out of the cocoon. It's just going to be harder for them. So this is putting it on the student, right? That's what we're doing here. Be a good student. If you've got a bad teacher, someone who's not doing their job, see if you can take what they did poorly and say, I could do this better. I could teach this class better. And then you're on your way to mastering the subject. Yeah. I'm just still imagining you trying to quote Mickey Mouse saying something really wise. You need to do that at one point. Stop quoting the wise old men. Yeah. The last thing that we should cover is what happens after they graduate. Ugh. There's a few things that they need to watch out for. Yeah. When we were well Ooh. into this podcast, yeah? I spent a three hour late afternoon evening with one of my students who graduated. She was a good student and with her boyfriend who also graduated. Uh, from uh, another college, and they had been listening to Draftsman. And I said, tell me what you're thinking and what kind of feedback you would give. And they suggested you should do a, a session on post-graduation depression. What causes post-grad depression? Uh, what causes post-grad depression yes. is an expectation that didn't get the result. The result didn't meet the expectation. Before you go, Read the contract. You are entering a binding agreement that allows them certain rights. Okay. And one of them is no expectation of privacy. Some schools, I, this might not be the case anymore, but it used to be that if you did the artwork under the school's, uh, in the oh, school's wow, class, yeah. they owned the artwork. Yeah. Oh, now that might have changed since, but I don't know. It's better have changed. That's all ridiculous. I, all I know is that the, you are Wait, entering a contract. Do they own the copyrights to it or are they just able to use it for like marketing purposes? Is I don't that, know. Because I mean, there's a big difference between owning that art, that physical uh, paper and just owning the rights to use it in like marketing material. I don't, I can't speak for any particular school. That's why I'm saying read the contract as you go in so that you know what you're getting uh, into. Okay. Yeah. That's a good thing to do no matter what you're mm -hmm. signing. Read all the contracts you sign. Most students don't. This is something where if you are a draftsman listener and you are getting ready to go to art school and you're going to have other people say, I want you to tell that story and that story. And that. So it can become a resource that is one of those things that if people search in research of the school, they can then come to comments and say, okay, there's one, two, three, four people have said the same thing. And then you start to get some collective wisdom from the people in this audience. What did those students tell you about post-grad depression? They told me a number of things. Here is one thing, is that it's like a massive breakup. It's the end of a relationship 
and you don't usually have it. They said you don't usually have it hit until about fall because you you graduate in spring, May. You got the summer. Then you're going to go back to, oh, wait, I'm not going to go back to the safety of school. I'm out in the real world and I got to get a job now. So it hits later. That's one thing. Here is one of the things that she said is that it can be temporary. This might not be the best advice, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. She saw the movie, the 1967 movie that was a pivotal movie in film history called The Graduate when she was a sophomore in a film class there. And then she watched it again after she graduated. And she said she had a whole different set of feelings watching that movie after she was in that position. Now, I'm not recommending the movie to you. But the first fourth of it or the first third of it is, by her estimation, one of the best portraits of postgraduate angst that you can get. Where the movie goes is another thing that, again, I won't give anything away. But I should say, if you do watch the movie, uh, one thing you can get out of it is that you're young. It's not the end of the world to have post-graduation depression. It can be temporary. And they made some suggestions for what will help. One is before you go to art school, be thinking about the fact that there will be, unless you graduate and get a job right away, then it's not likely to happen because this is what you were there for. You get that job, ah, it ushered me right into the... uh, into the profession. If it doesn't happen, be thinking about it in advance as a freshman. The friends you made in school are going through the same thing. And if you get together and support each other, that can help. This is my family. We're not dead yet. We're still out. We're still together. And she suggested a team project or any project because you get the momentum going. A team project after you graduate? Yes. Because that way you're keeping the network of community Mm. and you're keeping momentum. Now, there's three analogies that you could use for this. One is that you've got to cross a desert. Another is, he mentioned, an amputated limb. Here's a better one. And I think they came up with this. You're in a blizzard and you can't tell where you're going to go. You don't know what's ahead. It's really frustrating and it's difficult and cold, but... If you keep moving, you're likely to stay warm. Mm. So you've got your team members, you've got your friends, you've got projects. You're also now no longer under the constraints of school. And you can say, I always wish somebody would give me this project in school and they never did. Now you are going to do your art school as project, only it's not art school as project. It's portfolio pieces project. And this happens often. I did my best portfolio pieces right after I stopped going to school. And a number of people do that. Once school is done, now I'm going to redo my portfolio and it's going to be a whole new level. And that's the thing that's going to usher me into the profession. But that can help because you're getting busy with something that you now own. Yeah. Yeah. The blizzard thing is good. It's not, not only that you stay warm, but you're more likely to end up in some town. You're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you who typically gets post-grad depression, but I think you kind of answered it. They looked to the school for more than the school will give. Mm -hmm. What happens when you're out of the school and they are no longer there and you're looking for work? Are they going to get you a job? Are they going to connect you with your employer? 
a year after you've graduated? Most students do not get jobs right after they graduate. And some of my best students, including her, she was a great student and she did get jobs. She got freelance jobs, but they were just contractual. But I think it was uh, about two years after it that she got picked up by a company. It was a great job as a cinematic layout artist for a game company where she got to work in three different cinematographer styles for these three different games. That company went belly up. She got hired at another one. So she's back in this area, but she was a really good student. It took two years before there was a fit for her as a job. And she's one of those ones that I would have guessed you're going to be picked up right after school. Interestingly, her good friend there in college followed right along in the heels, worked at that same company, and then has, has since gone on to another company. But there's another thing is that because they kept in contact and they were they even are applying for the same jobs at the same time, there was a thing where when one gets benefited, the other one gets a benefit. Along the lines of the structure, mm -hmm. assuming that your school is going to provide you with that structure, and then when it's done... You don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what I was saying in the structure episode where even if you go to school, you need to provide yourself with your own structure because you need to practice doing that because when you're done, you're not going to have it. That's right. So yes, structure is a benefit of going to school, but you have to have structure even after school. You have to assimilate the structure. Yeah, you got to learn how to do you. it. Yes. Also, I think that... A little bit of depression can be good. It kind of is along the lines of, you know, being uncomfortable can be good. It's a time for self-reflection? Yeah. I mean, it means that you're not happy with where you are and you need to move forward to make to make a change, do something about it. It's it's an emotion that we need to have. I mean, I, I know I grew up always trying to be happy. It was like, and I, I usually was happy, just kind of like, oh, sadness, anger, what? No. But like, you know, like my wife is teaching me that like sadness isn't always bad. Did you see Inside Out? Yeah. I was yeah, just going to yeah, mention yeah. Inside Out. Like so it's, there's such good lessons in that. Yeah. Sadness is what brought her parents to support her and gain the connection with her parents. You know, it's because she was sad when she didn't win the championship or something like that. And she got that bond with her parents. Mm -hmm. And it led her back. Let her we, back to yeah, her yeah. yeah. Shouldn't even mention that. But that, that was, I loved that movie. I thought it was a wonderful theme. Really well done. Yeah. So being emotionally mature isn't just about being happy all the time. It's about being able to use all your emotions to guide you through life. You know, there's empathy where you, you, you're able to connect with people around you better because you, you can connect with that sadness. It's listening to what the emotion is telling you. It's there for a reason. Emotion can be a kind of intelligence, a kind of uh, pay attention to this. Why are you feeling this? What is it that you can need to do that you're not doing? Yeah. You want to cry together for a little bit? I wouldn't mind doing a crying session some point if you're really up to it, but we've got to be, we've got to get prepared and we have to have a, a little time afterwards to, uh, to come down from it. You have don't you want done to that before? Kind of, oh, yeah. You've yeah. had crying sessions with people? Oh, no. When I've never... I, well, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a Southern California yeah, thing. It is, it it's is. like, let's go to yoga classes yoga, and have a cry session. session. <laughs> it is a very Southern... But it might be a really good thing. They do laughing sessions, laughing yoga, that kind of thing. Oh, you know, geez, better, right? Hot yoga. 
Cry yoga, laugh yoga. There is a lot to some of those things. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, there's not just post-grad depression. There's another post-grad negative. Post-grad depression. Ooh, you coined a new term. Post-grad debt. Depression. Depression. You had more to say about debt depression. I've never been in... Whoa, shit. I should, oh, my God. I'm in so much debt right now. Huh. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Revelation. Just, just, it just came to me. Oh, my God. People have different opinions about debt, but I think the wisest that I ever heard is don't go into debt. Some people feel like that's the best thing you can do because it puts a fire under you. So if you are a gambler... And you say, I just love the feeling of gambling. Then, yeah, go into debt to get that art education. But I don't recommend it. Wait, have you ever been in... Did You didn't have student loans. You only went to community college, right? I didn't have any student debt. Okay. Yeah, me either. My parents pay for all my education. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not all of it. They paid for the first three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then I think I had like one year where I paid for it on by myself before I started teaching. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I started teaching. I was able to take some free classes mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, I was a teacher at that point. But yeah, like I, I worked at Quiznos and stuff like that to pay mm -hmm. for classes. I'm not that spoiled, Marshall. Stop, stop okay, judging I, I, me. I was, I was not making any judgment stop on you. Your eyes. I was, no, I was thinking you, you're, you're own, like, you're like, no, listen, your own fear projected onto me he's judging me when the thing <laughs> that was going little brat the thing that was parents. going through my mind is does stan have anything more to say about this because i can tell that was worth bringing up that when you graduate and yeah. you are facing years of debt yeah. that is going to increase the depression you just assumed I would come to that conclusion? I was actually sitting here admiring you and oh. hoping for even another helping of insight. And then you turned it on. Oh, As I'm trying to deal with the emotional pain of realizing that I have a lot of debt and that I'm spoiled because my parents paid for my art education. Boy, I'm finding you, you, out about You things. hope that I will pull out nuggets of wisdom for everybody. All right, are we going to mention that you're in debt? I don't care. It's not bad debt. It's good debt. <laughs> it's, just, it's the story i tell here we are giving financial advice <laughs> yeah no there is good debt there is good debt sure. if you buy a house if you plan on keeping that house for more than like six years it's good debt. Yeah. it's a good choice over sure. renting but what about for an art education do you think oh, people should go that. into debt for an art education no yeah. no just ask your parents to pay for it if and you... if they won't don't Go. Find a way that's better or cheaper. Yeah. And it depends on how much debt, too. Like, if you're talking about going to a, a school that charges like 60, 50, 60,000 a year, mm -hmm. yeah, no, don't do that. You're, you're not going to get that much value out of it. You're, and it's going to take you your life to pay it unless you really, really, really successful. Yeah. But if it's like $20,000 in debt, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. Not not yeah. by today's standards. But no. I just saw a parent and a student withdraw from a school that they were paying a good deal of money for because they were so unhappy with things that were going on there. And uh, I, I watched that 
pretty closely. And this brings up another thing about check your motives. Mm. Are you so committed to this school and this reputation and this badge and that I went to this famous place? Are you so committed to it that if it doesn't serve you and you recognize this is not a good investment, are you going to carry through with it, any, with it anyway? That, that's a, there's a phenomenon for that, that I've, I've eaten so much of this and I'm trying to lose weight but gosh, I'm three quarters of the way done. <laughs> I, I should go ahead and finish. Yeah. I should carry carry through with this. Uh, if you get committed to a particular school and you are going to graduate from it, even if it's not serving you, you have your reward. You have your degree from that school. But there's something that you could do. You could move from one to another and carry through. If the degree is important to you and finishing and graduating is important to you, you can move to another place that is going to serve you better. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you go to one place because the other place wasn't treating you well and people know you weren't happy there and you're going to come here, we want to show you how happy we're going to make you here. And they've got a motivation to be the better partner with you. Continuing because you've already started. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, is it Steve Godin? No, Steve. Seth, Seth Godin. Seth, Seth Godin yeah. that talks about. When you make a decision, it shouldn't be based on what you've already done. Everything that already happened, it happened. You can't change it. So now make your decision based on what's going to happen if you if you keep doing this. Is this year that's left, is it worth the, the money I'm going to pay for that year? Yes. Or is it better to just stop and, and do something else? That's advice to if you're going to go to an art school. You might find out a year into it. That another place was better. I'm not going to. I'm yeah. not going to name this school, but this was an interesting thing. I always ask when I go into professional environments, where did you go to school? How did you get your education? And I get all the varying stories. But there's a very famous school uh, that one professional worker told me I went to, named the school. Of course, everyone knows about that school. And I said, "How was it?" And he said, "Well, I didn't know the," and he named the school rule. And I said, "What is the name of that school rule?" He said, go for the first two years and then leave because they have a motive to keep you in there for those third and fourth years of classes. And all they're going to do during that time is funnel you into their school style. But those first two years are the years where you really get the fundamental skills. That's coming from someone who has been there, knows it from the inside as I don't, and says, here's my advice. Put those first two years to use. And then go somewhere else and develop your portfolio into the style you want it. Sweet advice, bro. If you're in an art school or if you're about to be in an art school, you make the decision whether this is a good supplier. And if at the end of a semester you can say, I spent $3,000 on this class and this class and this class, and I don't know that it was worth that much money, take to heart what we're saying. But if you are in an art school that you are paying $3,000 for that class and you say it was worth $3,000, it was worth more than that, I'm going to use this for the rest of my life, you are in a place. You are with a teacher. You are in a classroom where you are investing. it. You can usually tell by the end of the semester, if you're honest with yourself, whether you got that much money's worth of skills. Okay. Then we're done with this series. Jesus Christ, that took forever. Art school as project. Yeah. Well, I hope this was valuable. I know we talked a Dude, lot. 
When I, people I, message me on Instagram asking me questions about anything related to school and and creating a curriculum for yourself, I'm just gonna be like, bro, go listen to those nine up. Ep- How many have this? Nine, eight, and don't talk to me till you're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But I will probably be sending people to these eight episodes a lot. Because this is a thing that most of our audience is going through. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. I'm happy we did this. This was an important subject. And I needed to get it out of... uh, I, I needed to talk about it in a public forum because of the fact that maybe 100 to 2 to 300 hours of the last several years has been talking with students one-on-one about what they've been going through. Oh, I think back on it more than that. Uh, and so this is where, okay, I'm going to try to get as much of this as possible into a series of podcasts and then go from here because things will change. You know, it may be that in five or 10 years, one of the best places you could go would be to an art school because the art schools become leaner and meaner and cheaper and better and they they there's a renaissance of art schools who knows that could happen and a lot of what we've said could go by the wayside and become irrelevant but uh, it's going to happen as much as anything else when the students who have the buying power cast their votes that this is a good investment or not and that that will make the market adjust to them Amen. Hey, well, thanks for, if you sat through all of these, you are a serious student. You're about to apologize. <laughs> yeah, I was about to you apologize. But it's apologize. like putting it on the student. You were patient enough to sit through an Thank awful you. lot of talk. Thank yes. you so much <laughs> for listening. For listening, yes. Yeah, no, actually, though, thank you. <laughs> we do benefit from you listening. It's true, we do. Yeah, we do. What What's coming after this? Some people have asked how do you teach? How do you prepare curriculum? Do you have advice for teachers? Got advice for critiques and say, what are some good guidelines for critiques? Mm -hmm. Talk about how we've evolved as teachers. Big difference between teaching online and teaching in a classroom. So we can devote maybe at least one episode to uh, things we've learned in teaching. Another one is one that came up a lot last, uh, yeah, last season which is how do you study composition? Composition is one of the most subjective things. Perspective and anatomy and rendering are objective. They are either correct or not. How do you have a standard for composition? What do you, you do with it? I taught some, some of the best composers I know, and, uh, and a lot of them. And I think that we've found what it is. It's thousands-year-old wisdom about composing. It applies to composing stories, to composing music, to composing pictures. And it's the things that children tend to know and grown-ups start to forget because grown-ups want to be more objective and kids know that I want to make it the way I like it. And that's a great deal of where the wisdom of composition, where you tap into that part of your personality for how to create compositions that are going to connect with people. And we can take one episode, at least, on people who asked about harmonic armatures, how valuable are they, uh, how do you make nature your parent. That's a big part of composition. So, yeah, at least one episode on how to study composition. I also want to do one on social media presenting yourself professionally, I guess, in general. Yeah, you'll have a lot to say about that. Yeah, and hopefully you will too. Not Maybe not social media, but uh, like yeah. just presenting yourself, portfolio. Um, also, art on a budget. Stan, 
I'm glad we did this. Okay. We're done with this. Mic drop. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with this.